Brenda or Joe couldn't be with us today from Conduit News, and so we're going to welcome uh, a fairly brand new person with Conduit News. And Joy Williams is going to join us today on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, Joy, thanks for uh, holding uh, your place there for about three or four minutes while we got ready to welcome you. And how are things with you today? I'm great, Dave. Thank you so much for having me. This is a tremendous honor. I'm a huge fan of yours. Well, let's talk a little bit first about you. Give us a little background on yours. I was told today, Brenda said that you got got your law license and everything here not too long ago. Is that right? Well, yes, sir. I just graduated from law school, and I'm sitting for the bar here in July. So I don't have the license yet, working on that. And uh, it's been quite quite a struggle, but I was on the right track. Okay, you want to ask Robert anything about how to pass the bar or, you know, where you can write answers down on your body so that they won't see you? I heard in the inside of your eyelids always works, but, uh, <laughs> but that's, that's just a rumor. But, you know, Dave, when you're talking about all this uh, baseball, uh, the baseball issue, yeah. uh, it sounds like a law school exam. Actually, I had an essay about that. Exactly. Really? Yeah, so, so some ball player hit a ball, hit someone outside the stadium versus inside the stadium. Whose fault is it? Is it the player's fault? Is it the audience member? Is it the owner of the ball team? You know, it was a four-hour essay. But I think I got through it because I passed the class. Okay, so let me just ask you, and I'll ask Robert the same question. If you're putting putting (laughs) signs up in the ballpark, making people aware that there is a danger of being struck by a batted ball or by a baseball bat, let's just say, is that the owner's saying and admitting that there's a a precedent for a dangerous place and does that give somebody the ability to go after a lawsuit against the uh, ballpark well i'll give you the answer that all lawyers would like to say it just all depends it just (laughs) all depends um there's a lot of variables there i mean this particular essay we're talking about you know, I don't have license, so of course I will never give you advice because that's illegal. But that's correct. from the essay standpoint, uh, yeah, I think that that's a fair warning in my opinion. But you know, uh, you know, is a player liable? Did he mean to hit the ball to hurt somebody? Intent, transferred intent, liability, vicarious liability. Uh, did they? Did the audience member know? So there's a lot of stuff you could argue back and forth. So it's a it's it's an interesting question. But I think if you if you're sitting in the ball field. You should be paying attention. You kind of know. You assume the risk, if you will. So I think you, you, you're pretty you're pretty safe uh, as a ball player in, in that particular instance. But it does not mean it, it makes you feel good as a ball player to hit someone in the head with a well, baseball no. or a baseball bat. It seems to me that was Corey Seager uh, that Dodgers game. Yeah, and, Very uh, bad. and yeah, he 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 was looking. I, I think most people remember Al Mora doing it earlier in June, and I mean. He was tore up. You can see he was weeping in the dugout because it yeah. was it was a little baby that he hit. Yeah, that's you know that's just those risks happen and it's really unfortunate. I in fact got uh got got slammed with a baseball when I was a kid. I'm, I grew up in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Um, except sometimes it's not. And uh, we went to a Phillies game and I was probably seven or eight. And Lenny Dykstra was up the bat and he hit one of those grand slams and, and went right was right by my my body and hit me in my shoulder and, and man it hurt it was not a uh, it was not a soft hit for sure no 
Yeah, that it. People don't realize. I was talking about being at the game just over at the Travs the other day, and uh, it was uh, not this last Sunday, Sunday before. And a guy, a right-handed hitter, just laced one down the left field line, and it curved into the stands. And a guy stood up and tried to catch it with his bare hands, and I could literally hear that ball hit his hands. And mm. I, I, my wife was sitting there next to me. And I just went, because I know that guy's <laughs> hands are going to be bruised. He's going. There's a reason why you got that piece of leather on your hand. I'm just saying. There's a reason why you catch it with a glove and not with your bare hands. They used to do that. They figured out it hurt and they came up with baseball mitts. That's the way it happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so what do you think, Robert? You think he might be able to pass the bar with that answer he gave about, uh, you all, know, baseball, all good conservative law students pass the bar. <laughs> Thank you, sir. That, that means the world to me. And, uh, <laughs> we'll see It's at the end of July. So I'm taking a little bit of time off and I'm, uh, taking a break and calling you guys. And yeah. It's happy very to be cool. on the show. Like I said, I, I, I've been a fan since I was in high school. I, I went to high school in Cabot. Right now you're making Rock, me feel and, old to watch it. <laughs> well, I'm only 33, so I'm not that old. Okay. But, uh, let alone um, always a big fan. You know, I was always turned on to your show with the content. Today's been a great show so far. I mean, you, you really covered a lot from uh, from First Amendment, freedom of speech, to concentration camps, from AOC to uh, to, to presidential politics. So I've been listening most of uh, the last hour and a half, and you guys have been, uh, you covered quite a bit of topic. Okay, so let, let, let's talk politics this way. You were just in law school. Did you yes. hear a lot of stuff while you were in law school that was leftist based? Yeah, you know, I did. Um, you know, I, I did. And I, I also went to college at a, a place called Hendricks College in Conway, which is a very, very liberal school. Yeah, that's leftist-based. <laughs> that, that's way that's way left field. Um, in fact, I was one of three conservatives there, part of the Republican uh, College Committee. Wow. And I was the president. And, uh, so and the treasurer and us. the vice president. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't trust the other two, so I, I took those duties as well. Not really. I was just the president, but... It was so bad. I think in academia across the board, I think when you have, it's no, it's no secret that the left owns academia, and and they, uh, they, they indoctrinate kids left and right all the time, and it's it just, it's just the way academia is, and which is weird to me because in the law, everything's so structured, everything has a, um, has an element based form to it, right? So just like the whole cake issue, you know, the cake baker in uh, in Colorado was was finally, you know, found, you know, not guilty of what he was doing by not selling to a same sex couple. I mean, that's from a lawyer's perspective, that's a slam dunk case. I mean, there's no way the government can compel someone to speak in that manner. But I had professors that were exactly opposite, and I thought to myself, how did do you, you have a any professor? Did you have any professors that espoused conservative? jurisprudential views that were confirmed by the Supreme Court? You know, I had one or two, um, one or two out of maybe 25 or so um, in in, in the school. But even even those particular professors were very um, reluctant to kind of push. They kind of hinted to uh, that fact, but they, they were never out forth, you know, and forthcoming. But, you know, as in the law, I mean, when the Supreme Court rules on something, they rule on something, whether or not 
you know, it's uh, it's, it's what you believe or not. It's, it's still the law until, well, you change it. And did you have leftist professors making claims, definitive claims as to what the law is or will be only to have their views um, discarded by the Supreme Court? Absolutely. Yeah. All the time, especially in the cake bake issue, the, uh, the cake baker out of Colorado. I mean, we had conferences about it and talks about it and special guests would come from D.C., from different political packs would speak on it. How, you know, how the cake baker was wrong for not providing the cake for the same sex couple. And and, you know, you look at the law and you say, how? I mean, as a lawyer, I mean, that's not within the law. The government cannot compel you to speak. Um, and they made a if you had a chance to listen to the Supreme Court case, uh, now all this stuff is recorded. It's amazing. I think since 1992 or 96, they start recording every Supreme Court oral argument, which is amazing to listen to. If you ever listen to that, they, uh, the, uh, the counsel to the cake baker mentioned a very good um, analogy. She says, if, 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 I was a, if, I, if I had an African-American woodworker that owned a shop, and a, a white supremacist was to walk in from the KKK, perhaps, and say, uh, Mr. Woodworker, I would like you to make me a big wooden cross, and I'm going to use it for a rally tonight. <laughs> the man would be like, no, absolutely not. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in what you're going to do. I will not make you the wooden cross to burn tonight. Um, you can go somewhere else. I mean, if you flip the analogy on its head and, and, and use that, the left still does not understand. They, they still think – they are always right no matter what you do. Well, it's even worse than that, unfortunately, as hard as it may be to believe, because they believe that the example that you aptly gave about the cross burning, they would say, well, that's not speech. Uh, you, th- that's hate speech, and therefore you can always reject it because oh, we, right. the left, can determine between good speech and bad speech, and mm-hmm. good speech is always protected and bad speech is always punished. And so according to the left, if you don't want to participate in a um, same-sex marriage, well, that's bad uh, behavior. You should be compelled. But if you don't want to participate in a cross-burning, uh, that's also uh, uh, bad behavior. Uh, and so you're free not to. And so the left wants to stand in judgment uh, and determine whether or not your speech should be free. And that it's it's somewhat ironic. Dave and I have talked about this now for years. Constantly. <laughs> for years, right? Isn't it remarkable? Yeah. It never it, it doesn't seem to change, although in truth it, it's been slowly changing, luckily. Um, where the left no longer believes in free speech and they were the instigators of the free speech movement in Berkeley yep. in the sixties. And now they've abandoned free speech. And that's why this governor out of Montana, who's a Democrat, vetoed a bill that would have guaranteed, like we passed in Arkansas. I will mockingly say this is a joke, folks, in backwards Arkansas, right? I don't think we're backwards at all, but this is the point. Many in the elite uh, liberal enclaves of America look askance upon Arkansas. I came here happily, but they look askance upon Arkansas as being backwards. And yet leftists like this Montana governor says no free speech on campuses. And really what he's saying, because free speech on campus means we will allow conservatives 
to think and speak. That's what it means. There's free speech for leftists on campus already. And so when the leftists, like this Montana governor, says no free speech on, on campus, he's telling you no conservative speech on campus. That's the real tragedy here. The left has abandoned the notion of free speech, and to them, free speech means leftist speech shall be free. All other speech is not speech, even though we call it speech. It's absurd. It's really, I heard a great line today. Apparently, it's not a new line, but it was new to me. And, hey, leftists, the novel 1984 is not an instruction manual. Right? It's not something that right. you should be observing and trying to implement, but they are. And in enclaves of leftism, like academia, in many circles, they've been successful. And it's tragic. And you you have confirmed how biased to the left legal academia is. And what's m- even more interesting is they're teaching you. It's one thing to say, look, here's the debate. Dave and I have discussed what the debate on the cake baker case was. I said, look, you can't refuse to serve a gay couple that comes into a diner and orders scrambled eggs because nothing about making scrambled eggs is participating. Is artistic. Is artistic or speech-like. You're serving them food and you can't refuse to serve gay people because they're gay. Uh, That's immoral. But, but you see, Robert, the, yeah. the, the, the one thing that, that people don't understand, they don't understand that. You could talk about the analogy because you have a legal background. You, Dave, you know, understand that. But talking to a regular person, they will never know. I yeah. mean, they, 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 won't, they won't understand that. They say, what do you mean? Eggs are the same thing as a cake. Well, not, not, not really. Um, you know, but how do your professors not thing. know that? Or at least how do they not entertain legitimately – and significantly, that part of the debate that prevailed, that prevailed. I remember I was in the minority when I said that part of Obamacare, that's the mandate, is going to fail. And, and people laughed at me. And sure enough, Supreme Court struck it down. We've got to go to break, right? We've got to take a break. Yeah. And when we come back, uh, Joey, let me ask you this question. I want you to talk a little bit. Today, a big uh, legal decision came up from the Jeremy Hutchinson side, uh, and he has pled guilty now. Let's let's talk about why we think that might have happened when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Conduit News with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show, their website, conduitnews.com. Robert's here. I'm here. We'll be back. we got more to talk about. And a strange story I have for you. Off the uh, East Coast, scientists have discovered the world's largest freshwater aquifer. And it is underneath the ocean floor. That's coming up. We'll talk about that, too, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Good to have you here. Joy Williams is with us from Conduit News. And uh, we got three minutes until we get to the news. Got Robert here. Robert uh, is with us today on Robert Steinbach. And uh, his opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily of the Bowen School of Law or UALR, though they should be. I always like to throw that in. It drives them crazy over at the school. But with that, with that said, uh, l- let's talk about uh, something really, really quick since we've got only three minutes. Let me just ask you uh, this, Joey. Are you going to watch the Democratic debates Thursday and Friday night? 
Oh, I will. Uh, I'm going to pop some popcorn, and I'm going to watch it front and center. Okay, and why? Because I, I want to see each one of them outlast themselves. I think it's going to be a, <laughs> same, a, a circus. Same way with me. It's going to be great. Go ahead. It's going, to, it's going to be a circus, and it's going to be, you know, to see how far left each candidate is going to try to up and over left each other is going to be, going to be quite an entertaining thing to watch. And plus, you know, it, it's good to see the other side. And I've always been a proponent of going to every presidential speech, even Democrats or Republicans. I've been to many Bill Clinton events and Hillary Clinton events. And when Donald Trump was here in Bentonville, I went to that. It's historical. It's important to watch. It's, it's important to keep your eyes on uh, the subject matter at hand because it's going to be a fight regardless. All right. So, Robert, who do you think will go the furthest left Oh my during, gosh. during this, I, you know, that's like asking me who's my favorite fascist. I like I don't know how to answer a question. <laughs> Who, who's going to go the furthest left? You know, this is when the flat earthers come out. I think they're all going to fall off the cliff. They may. Yeah. You know, Warren is upset because she got to go Thursday night. She's not going to be with what everybody thinks are the upper echelon. Is, is Wednesdays the higher polling people, or is it a random split? No, Thursday and Friday. That's the two I mean, oh, oh, she's going, oh, but so no. is Friday the higher echelon, or is it just a random split? I guess the way that they did it is that, first of all, you had to have raised X amount of dollars, and then you had to have X amount of people that uh, identified with you. So, you know, on their, uh, I don't know, Twitter accounts or something like that. And uh, she... She made it in under by the skin of her teeth, basically. But then once they made it in, how were the two shows cut randomly? Do you know, Joey? Uh, I'm not sure yeah. on how they do that. I you know, they change the rule every month. So yeah, exactly. yeah, it's they really do. hard to exactly. tell. And if, if Bernie wins, they're going to rig it against them anyway. So you know how that works. Yeah, well, so bottom line is I'll have <sighs> that information when we come back. Let's break for the news. Joey, you sit uh, tight there. Go get yourself something to... To, to drink or whatever, and uh, we'll be back in just a few moments. But right now, here's your news. All right, back on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, Joey Williams is with us from uh, ConduitNews.com. Uh, go there, check out their articles each day. And I and Robert uh, Steinbach's here. Okay, guys, here's what happened. They went through all the rigmarole to, to come up with the 24 people that were going to be allowed to debate, then all they did is throw their names in a box and pull out names, 12 and 12. <laughs> and that, that's how they determined who was going to be Thursday, who's going to be Friday. Uh, let me go and give you the list here. Who do we got? The first debate will be, by the way, will be uh, hosted by Lester Holt. Uh, and then the people that are, why are they holding debates this way? You don't need to know that. But let me give you the candidates. On the first night, on the first night, no, yeah, I could put this together. Uh, first night, Wednesday debate features Warren, O'Rourke, Booker, Klobuchar, uh, Jay Inslee. By the way, in this article, they made sure they said Washington governor so you'd know who the guy was. Uh, former HUD Secretary Julian Castro. Hawaii Representative uh, Tulsi Gabbard, who, uh, by the way, uh, 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 
She's a military Whitney, vet. Whitney was interested in her a little bit. She's an interesting ca- uh, candidate, yeah, in fact. She yeah. has an interesting history. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, your favorite oh candidate. Oh, my gosh. De blah, blah, Blasio. <laughs> Ohio <laughs> Congressman Tim Ryan and former Maryland Rep John Delaney. That's the 12 for Wednesday. Thursday night, it will be Biden on the stage alongside Sanders, Harris, uh, Buttigieg or whatever. Buttigieg. Yeah. yeah. New York Senator Kristen Gillibrand. Gillibrand. I keep telling you. Colorado <laughs> Senator Michael Bennett. Former uh, Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper. California Representative Eric Swalwell. Oh, gosh. <laughs> entrepreneur Andrew Yang and self-help author Marianne Williamson. Who? Yeah, I know. What? Yeah, I know. What? She's got a following. What Joey, are you on that stage also? <laughs> uh, I don't. I didn't see my name pop up. Oh my okay, God. but those are the ones that 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 are going to be there. I I'm going to. I'm like Joey. I'm going to watch it for the simple reason. You know, somebody like Warren is going to talk about all the money she wants to spend to pay off people's college loans, and then O'Rourke is going to go and say, I want to spend $5 trillion for global warming, and they're all going to start throwing all these numbers out, and Lester Holt will never say, how are you going to pay for it? That will never be a question, I predict, the night of the debate. How are you guys going to pay for this? I, I suspect that question may come up, and they're all going to say the same thing. We're going to raise taxes. We go after as the if, rich people. Well, as if yeah. the, the money is just there and there and there to be taken. Well, that's something now that you guys write about over on Conduit uh, News, uh, Joey. We what, do. We, we what's really write thing, about that. What's the big and, thing and, people don't figure out when they say they're only going to tax the rich? I, I think that the way that, that people legislate things, to be, to be exact, is, is the fact that when – when a tax comes down or somebody says they're going to create a new program, they're going to uh, – they have this great idea. No one ever asks how much. I, I think that people just don't don't care or they're not being fed the correct news, and that is so dangerous because – you know, it, it's all about how you spend information. You know, uh, a tax increase here and overspending here adds up. And it seems like they don't feel the pain immediately. It doesn't mean uh, they're not going to move move through a, a, a hurtful financial quarter, you know, when, when it comes to pass. So, uh, you know, Conduit has spent uh, so much time and, and energy really researching you know, what these taxes do, you know, very little on the federal side, mostly in Arkansas. But, um, you know, it, people need to know this. And and politicians just just pull things out of the air. You can pass a law all day, get rid of gravity. It doesn't mean gravity is going to disappear. Bottom line is there ain't no such thing. My daddy taught me this early. Ain't no such thing as a money tree growing in the backyard. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, nothing is free. We've all heard that there is no free lunch. That is because there is nothing, absolutely nothing, except for the grace of God, that is free. I, I, what I've been saying now and what I think conservatives need to say, and many do, I don't claim to be alone in this, is when the lefties say, well, don't you want this and don't you need that? And, and my response is, no, nope. no, nope. don't need it. 
Yeah. This is the thing. They, they, they seem to believe that they can shame us into growing government and overspending. And I think the answer is you've got enough money. You can shuffle it however you want, but I'm not giving over any more. Now, well, when you when you run against Santa Claus, I mean, it, it's so <laughs> enticing to young people. I mean, he's going to vote against Santa. I promise you free education, free college, free money, free this, free that. I think that's the main issue with younger people today. They don't understand that, number one, like they've just alluded to, nothing's free. And number two, the rich people aren't going to pay for it because they do enough in this country to set up to set up jobs and, and corporations to give people work and, and to provide so much for every infrastructure in our country. I, I believe a recent poll came out that uh, the top 1% in our country pay over like 78% of taxes. Yep. We should be thanking them. We should all write a thank you note to the top 1% for all they do for each and every American. No, don't and, say that. Don't say that. Like Antifa is going to put a bullseye on you, bud. <laughs> Well, you, you know, it, 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 talking about conservatism versus liberalism, I, I always thought about this and that, that liberalism is an ideology and conservatism is not. Conservatism is simply looking to the past and looking uh, to our nation's history to see what worked and what didn't. But liberalism is simply an ideology. And, and what have we done as conservatives, I, I, I question this often, that Younger people in our country choose this idea of totalitarianism or socialism over freedom. I mean, I think it's uh, the inherent right or inherent uh, nature of, of young young people to to rebel, at least you know, be free from their parents, right? In, in a good sense, um, but we we lost that battle for some reason. And and when I look around, I go to a lot of Tea Party meetings and Republican meetings, and I look around. No offense, I see older people. Um, and that bothers me, you know, that really bothers me that we, we can't attract the young people, uh, just, just to be free. I mean, who, who wants to vote against freedom? And that's so, it, it bewilders me and puzzles me every okay. day. Well, let me just ask this question, Joey. I mean, I, I'm a Christian now. I'm a, but when I was younger, I professed Christianity, wasn't really living Christian like, and, uh, you know, when I was 18, 19, 20, 22, uh, I was drinking at fraternity parties and chasing skirts. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if that is, the, you know, a typical young person is thinking about the hedonistic part of their life and not about, you know, the uh, intellectual part of their life. I, I think that's that's right, Dave. I, and it's unfortunate because you know things can change so quickly with one single election, uh, whether it be local or on the federal side. We, we have the power to change something locally very quickly. You know, in, in a handful of years, we can actually make a difference. But you know, Ron, I believe Senator Ron Paul made a great speech when he left the Senate when he retired. I don't know if you all had a chance to listen to him, and he had, he, he said something very similar. He said. You know, what have we done to, to turn people away from this idea of freedom? You know, it should be a, 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 a common sense. Well, common sense is so common, as you guys mentioned earlier, but it should be a common sense way to run. And I think we need to do something as conservatives to really appeal to, to younger people. And I think that there are young youngsters out there. Um, they're just afraid to speak up because, again, they're all in college or on grade school and teachers are for the most part, very, very liberal. And, um, you know, they indoctrinate the kids every day. Um, colleges are even worse. Um, you know, 
know, so I, I think we really need to need to put the message out there. And, and, and Conduit is really a great source of doing that. And they've written great articles and, and tried to reach as many people as possible on just facts. You know, as Adams once said, facts are stubborn things. You can't argue with them. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. But, you know, I blame us parents as well. Uh, we should be down at our high schools pounding on the desk saying, why are you allowing these teachers to teach this crap uh, in, in our school system? Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree. You know, I, I think that's an awesome point as well, uh, parenting and, and parents in general. You know, one of the earliest memories I have of my grandmother um, in Philadelphia, she came to live with us out of Arkansas many, many years ago. And uh, I remember she lost her job. She worked at, at a convenience store and she lost her job. And she, she took me down to the unemployment office in downtown Philly. It was worse than it is now. You know, lines were very long. And uh, she, she applied for unemployment. And two weeks later, she found a new job and she took me back to the unemployment office. We waited in line. She goes, you know, this is my name. I like to be off of unemployment. And the whole staff behind the counter were shocked. They said, why would you do this? She goes, well, I found the job. It's it's not I don't need unemployment anymore, and things like that. Those examples really uh, really encourage me to think for myself and really have these conservative values I have today. And it all comes down to parenting. You know, my parents used to ask me questions when I was a kid. Now, what do I think? And kind of point me in the right direction. And and that's really important, Dave. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Parenting is a big big deal. Well, uh, and I agree with that. And uh, if our schools are misleading our children, if our colleges are misleading our uh, our children, then we have ourselves to blame. I honestly well, uh, believe that. Well, and as uh, as Joey discussed before, he he's got a bunch of professors in law school that are te- are telling him the law is one way, and the Supreme Court says uh, no. Mm-hmm. Meaning it's perfectly fine for them to say, well, here's one side and we like this side better. But my impression from what Joey describes is that's not what they're doing. They say, no, no, the only way this can come out correct is this way. And sure enough, it comes out the other way. So that's that's not teaching. That's preaching. It rhymes, but it's different. All right. Let's exactly. Take, let's take a final break and then we'll come back and finish up. Don't forget conduitnews.com. We'll be back in just a moment. All right, so let uh, Joey let's let's talk about the Supreme Court today. Uh, Gorsuch and uh, Kavanaugh disagreed again uh, today. These uh, two saw opposing sides. This one dealing with on whether a law that slaps harsher penalties on certain gun possession cases is unconstitutionally vague. Now, I don't have the particular law in front of me, but I'm going to tell you what, Gorsuch sided with the liberal justices in a 5-4 decision in United States versus Davis, for which he wrote the opinion of the court. The law in question calls for longer sentences when a person uses a firearm in connection with a crime of violence, which is defined as a felony that by its nature involves a substantial risk that physical force against the person or property of another may be used in the course of committing the offense. And Gorsuch said that uh, definition is rather confusing. Now, I'm going to 
I'm going to fall on the side of Gorsuch on this. I mean, you're asking here for a lot of you know people to make up their mind, not on law, but on you know subjective determinations of what what that I just read meant. Would you agree that they were right in uh, striking it down, Robert? I've told you many times, Dave, on this show that true conservatism believes in limited government. Now, that doesn't mean we don't believe in law enforcement. We do. Conservatives overwhelmingly tend to be law and order types, me included. So how do you merge those two things together? You should be strongly uh, law and order type. You should be for a vigorous police and enforcing uh, the laws well. But the laws have to be specific and direct. So it should never be the case that you get dragged into court and charged with a crime from some vague statute. Now, I can't tell you what this specific statute says or doesn't say, so I don't know how vague or if it's vague at all. But the notion that you should be punished because some judge says, well, you know, you may not have known it, but actually that's illegal. Because this grouping of words that nobody can decipher means you got to go to jail. No dice. That's not conservative. You can be law and order type. If you murder someone, everybody knows what murder is. But if you're involved in a crime of violence and that's an enhancement and then there's another enhancement for the use of a firearm, well, is a use, does a use include having the firearm in the trunk of the car, having it in the seat back behind you, having it on your person? Where do, There needs to be specificity in the law in particular – When it comes to criminal charges, because guess what? Even though for the most part, the folks that go to jail have done the crime with which or of which they've been accused. I don't want any innocent person going to jail. And that includes a person who might be convicted of a charge due to its vagueness. So as a notion, I am supportive of Gorsuch of Gorsuch. As to the specific facts of this case, I don't know what the statute said. All right. What do you think, Joey? I totally agree. I think the the word use is has been brought up in the Supreme Court before. Uh, there's a case from, gosh, first year of law school. Uh, was it Smith v. U.S.? I believe that using a uh, handgun in the commission of a crime, I believe you add an extra 20 years if it was a drug crime. A guy was convicted of, of trading a pistol for, a, I think, a couple pounds of cocaine, and he was he got tacked on an extra 20 years. He was already guilty, but the fact of you know, the Supreme Court said, hey, that counts as, you know, using a weapon in the commission of a crime. I think uh, um, Alito and some other justices um, stood up and said, well, you can use a gun to scratch your head. You could use a gun as a doorstop. You can use a gun as a bookmark. Uh, so if you use a pistol in this particular fashion, then you're found guilty, too vague. Supreme Court disagreed, uh, but I think, I think I'm, I'm on board with you guys. I believe this is way too vague. If, if you're going to convict somebody, it's a state's responsibility to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt of the, every single element of the crime. And I think that's the way our laws are, our laws are set up, and it's very much constitutional. And send it back to the legislator. If they want to change it, they can change it to be more exact and more particular. And I think this is a big distinction between the Gorsuch types and – they use Kavanaugh as an example. But there are many, meaning there are those who are much more about freedom and – 
skeptical of overreach by the government in any context. And then there are those that are more statists. And you know how we see that difference in the state uh, here in Arkansas? Those who are skeptical of government uh, overreach, uh, Kim Hammer, Bob Ballinger, they support freedom of speech for uh, government employees. They don't want the government telling their employees what the go- what the employees can say on their off time at home on Facebook in their footsie pajamas at nine thirty at night. But the statists, they want to allow bureau hacks to determine what off duty government employees are saying at home. That's what we have to be ever vigilant against. Don't let the statists take over. Of course. The Democratic Party is made up of statists, right? We talked about that earlier when we talked about the Montana governor who said, "Nah, you don't need that free speech on campus. Let the bureau hacks decide what speech should be allowed. And, of course, that equals leftist speech. And you see conservatives say the same thing from time to time. And we had that in this debate this past session over the free speech for government employees. We're going to bring that bill up again. And we're going to pass that bill and we're going to crush the statists because the statists have allied themselves with the leftists and it's an embarrassment to the Republican Party. All right. So before we leave today, I promise everybody I tell you about the story. Scientists have found a gigantic freshwater aquifer hidden deep below the ocean. The surprising discovery from a new survey of the sub seafloor off the northeast U.S. coast my researchers from Columbia University appears to be the largest formation of this type anywhere in the world, stretching from Massachusetts to New Jersey and extending continuously out about 50 miles to the edge of the continental shelf. Researchers said that if it was discovered on the surface, it would create a lake covering some 15,000 square miles. Now, evidently, this occurs in other places in the world, and they're very interested to start getting out and doing some studying. It says, uh, we don't need this much water in, for instance, their particular region, but if we can show there are large aquifers in other regions, that might potentially represent a resource in places like Southern California, Australia, the Mideast, or the Saharan Africa uh, study co-author and geophysicist Carrie Key said in a statement, I never thought I'd ever hear a story saying there's tons of fresh water under the salt water in our oceans. Unbelievable story. There's water out there. There is definitely that. Hey, Joey, it's been a pleasure, man. Listen, I, I, it's been an absolute pleasure of mine to be part of the program. Hopefully I can do this again. You guys are awesome, and I, I listen to you as much as I can, and, and keep up the great work. You guys do a wonderful job. Just tell Brenda and uh, and Joe to give it up. <laughs> Will do. All Will right. Do. Talk to you later. Don't forget. Thanks, Joe. com. We're out of time. Robert, thanks for coming in. Thank you. God bless. It's been bless. great. Whitney Davis, thank you for coming in. Elizabeth Sotolaro, thank you for coming in. Tomorrow, it will be the Power Panel and the Bible Guys here on the Dave Ellswick Show.